All right, it's Wednesday. We are back with another edition of WeatherWise. I am with meteorologist Jake Grant this week. By the way, my name is uh, uh, Rich Wurzik. I'm the chief meteorologist here at 47 ABC WMDT. For any first-time listeners or downloaders, this is the podcast from the meteorologist at 47 ABC WMDT in Salisbury, Maryland on the Delmarva Peninsula. Uh, we cover weather, of course, locally, but we'd love to touch on some of the national weather stories and anything affecting the world uh, weather pattern-wise because at the end of the day, all of our weather patterns are intertwined. And, um, you know, this is just uh, considered a global cause when we talk about meteorology and the science and as we continue to follow things. And um, we like to really uh, touch on anything that's affecting uh, large areas of uh, population across the world. So. We have a lot of regional and worldwide weather to talk about because our weather here in Delmarva, Jake, is finally getting to the point where it's actually tolerable. And we're going to touch on that later because, uh, you know, I've always said when you have really nice weather going on, that it is always countered somewhere else by usually the opposite or inclement weather, just like high and low pressure counter each other all the time. Uh, just to make it really overly simplistic. But there has been a lot of chaos going on in the tropics, which not our section of the tropics, the Atlantic. We'll get to that in a moment. But the Pacific, one of the most unique and rare occurrences, a tropical system impacting the state of California. Uh, we were just watching Hillary over the past couple of days dump uh, tremendous amounts of rain in the areas of uh, California, the desert southwest. They're picking up, they've picked up more rain than they usually do in a year mm. uh, in the course of a day. Flash flooding, uh, pictures that we saw out of Los Angeles with Los Angeles, the Dodger Stadium, surrounded by flood water as mm. if it, it's an island. Um, pretty crazy. And then there was an earthquake on top of it. Um, you know, what were your thoughts watching that as we were going into the weekend? Well, yeah, I actually have uh, family out there. So uh, they were telling me it was a pretty unique experience. Obviously, uh, they live on top of a mountain out there. So mudslides, obviously a concern, but where they were, it wasn't as bad as some more uh, northerly parts of uh, Los Angeles had a little bit more rain where they picked up five inches in some of those spots and especially some of those valleys too just with how California's terrain set up but uh, being from the East Coast I never realized it till I went out there just how steep the drop-off is into those valleys so the flooding naturally is a concern with all the runoff from the mountains and especially since the soil table out there is not built to handle that type of moisture right in such a short amount of time when you have uh, five inches that, like you mentioned, that's about what they get in a year, in, if they're lucky in some spots. And to get that in less than a 48-hour period uh, obviously had some pretty uh, devastating effects. But it looks like it wasn't too the worst it possibly could have been out there. So yeah. um, proper precautions were put in place and stuff. And obviously, you know, with the changing dynamics of our atmosphere, especially now, uh, the warming up of that water near California could open the door for some more activity in the future. I don't think this is going to be a one-off thing. I think this might be maybe the start of some more frequent weather types uh, near California and more southern portions of California as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk about um, you know tropical systems needing warm water. You're mentioning the warming of the waters off California. What most people don't realize is that, especially if you're not from the West Coast, you wouldn't know this necessarily, the waters off California and the Pacific Northwest are extremely cold. Yeah. I mean, you see people out there when they go surfing, they have to wear wetsuits because it's that cold. And um, that protects them or yeah. has protected that area from most of the time from tropical systems. Every now and then you do get the rare system uh, you know, every couple of decades that finds its way up from the Baja, California, down in Mexico. And at least the remnants of these systems sometimes find their way into the southwest and will uh, enhance their monsoon season or something like that. But 
not to this degree. And you're mentioning that, you know, southwestern California, far southern California, if the waters are warm enough, they can sustain these systems in this instance to still be considered a tropical storm when they entered the state of California. Um, I think it's only happened a few times on record. 19 or 1997, I think, yep. might have been the and, last time. And then before that, what was it, yeah. like the 30s? or I, At least, We'd yeah. have to look, but first ever tropical storm warning issued, mm. uh, Los Angeles area, yeah. just simply because of the winds. Um, so amazing to see that. You mentioned with the climate change and the warming of the waters, that is certainly something that we're probably going to see a little more of. I wanted to go back to something interesting you touched on, the topography of that area. Um, and I've been out there before, and you just don't think about it, being from the mm. East Coast, um, just how mountainous and just how hilly that those areas are. I noticed that just over this weekend when I was watching Hillary, and I was going on uh, you know, my radar app. I was going to the individual National Weather Service radar sites, and you could see the radar sites out there are positioned to have to make up for dead spots because of those ranges out there, mm. those cliffs, the topography makes it impossible to get a full scan with some of those radars out there. So I noticed just how much of a problem that is out there. Mm. Um, yeah. You don't think about that. But of course, you don't think about it as much because we don't, as weather people, usually dial into those radars very much out there, mm. you know, because there's not much going on. They also <laughs> don't exactly have maybe as much active weather as we have out here. Yep. So it isn't always as big a concern, but when you do need to use something like that out there, it is going to be a problem. Like I even noticed it when I was using some of the uh, radar indicated uh, rainfall totals, which are a good idea, not always 100% factual, right. but uh, it paints the picture of a lot of rain in a short amount of time, which is what I was trying to do. But you could see the dead zones where it, the radar data just cuts off and it goes flat. And you could see that's part of the mountain ranges out there. It's a lot of hills and valleys. It's up to the coast. You have just a lot of ups and downs. You're going to have spots that don't get that radar coverage, and obviously with a storm like that, if we're going to up the frequency of these storms, it's going to be a problem, like you mentioned, um, trying to track them, especially for the local meteorologists out there who uh, finally get to try their hand with the tropical weather. Uh, they usually just get to kick back yep. and uh, do their little sun forecast, but I'm, I'm sure they all, did, they all did a good job out there. Everyone seemed pretty prepared. But I, I, I saw that funny. out there. They, they came together, and, and yeah. you're right, um, the meteorologists out there, you know, having to use those radars and not having the coverage simply because of the topography, mm -hmm. the only answer to that is more radars. So Which that is costs way money. more mo right. a lot of money. A lot, a of, lot money. of money. I mean, we just saw out here the upgrade that we had here in Delmarva to the radar site um, uh, in, you know, um, outside of Milton, Delaware. Uh, that took two weeks, and I, I forgot what the cost was to that, but it was in the S several millions. Yeah, I think it was over $10 million. Over $10 million, right. And that was, was just 20 a... 20 years due. Right. That. that was a refurbishing. Yes. Um, that, you know, that wasn't a new radar. That yeah. was, uh, we're going to just uh, fix it so it keeps running mm -hmm. type of cost. So just give everyone an idea at home, these, these re weather radars are um, significant purchases and investments uh, for the government. Um, and it, it takes a long time to get that, that going. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that ship takes a long time to kind of get moving in a direction, if you will. And um, hopefully they'll, you know, they'll be able to get a little more uh, funding for that if this does become more of a problem out there. It's just one of many issues, obviously, with climate change that we're talking about. And we, we've been talking about wildfires mainly so far this season with climate change, but uh, maybe not necessarily directly related to climate change, but certainly a problem that can occur with tropical systems in the Pacific Hawaii, we don't always see issues with tropical systems, but every several years, there can be some issues. This time around, a unique, just 
you know, several variables set up led to this horrific, horrific tragedy with the, with the uh, fires on Maui. And there was a lot of misinformation coming out at the beginning that this was caused by a hurricane. And, you know, I know, you know, the unique event like that, such a rare, um, unusual situation. Uh, everyone's kind of scrambling to figure out what's going on. But, you know, as we took a look at it, nothing, I mean, it partially to do with the hurricane, but the actual hurricane had really no direct impact on the island. Yeah, it's more just upper level steering currents that we saw at play with the hurricane. Hurricanes low pressure are low pressure systems, but their low pressure is astronomically low compared to what the atmosphere would want to be at. Um, when you start getting storms down around 900 millibars, that's a really strong storm, but a really low pressure system. And the atmosphere is always trying to correct itself and go back to equilibrium. That's how the atmosphere works. But obviously the atmosphere can never be in equilibrium. Otherwise we wouldn't have weather or any events. Um, but that's what the winds do is it tries to correct that gradient in the air. And when you have a low, extreme low pressure system like Dora, which was a strong tr uh, hurricane at that time, and then you have a very strong high pressure system that's built in as well with a lot of heat that's going to have a much higher, obviously a much higher pressure, but the difference between the two help exemplify those winds that went into Hawaii. So it wasn't directly uh, from the hurricane, but the upper level wind flow was affected by that and helped squeeze those winds and pack that air tighter. And then when you have air moving through mountains as well, it also tends to uh, speed up the winds as well. Um, I know I experienced that when I was down at school. Sometimes we would get some wind gusts that blow uh, very strong, but even in Hawaii, they have much bigger mountains. So between those two factors, you really got those winds kicking up out of the north, uh, just a dry, a dry wind as well, not getting a lot of moisture. Um, and that obviously helped spark it a little bit. So you had all these, these yeah. individual variables while on their own wouldn't be a big deal, yep. but coming together and creating, um, not to use the cliche, the perfect storm, but yes. in this scenario, um, that's the idea. While the actual rain and you know what you would associate with a hurricane did not reach the island, they did have hurricane force winds. You mm -hmm. know that pushed over seventy and eighty miles yeah. per hour in some cases with the gusts. You mentioned how dry the air was, um, and anytime you just have a constant flow of air, and we saw this with the Canadian wildfires in eastern Canada, that continuous flow of air is just oxygen being added mm -hmm. to the fires. It's just a fuel source and um, you know it continued to allow those fires to rage in Maui and allowed them to accelerate too. Um, unbelievably horrific situation and something that you know we're going to be looking at from all social angles going forward not just from a meteorological angle but part of that does come down to it they have warning sirens and systems in place for these type of situations and they didn't sound and there's a lot of uh, um, back and forth on, you know, should they have sounded, should they have not? And you, when you get into a unique situation, unusual, anything that's not textbook, or, you know, it, you don't get a textbook response usually. Yeah. So um, something that will be studied for a very long time. And, um, you know, we're going to be talking about Maui for, for the considerable future, I'm sure, um, just from a standpoint of preparing and being able to, you know, avoid something as catastrophic as what happened out there in the future. But um, you know, switching gears here, talking about the tropics, the Atlantic. We haven't said much in the podcast over the past couple of months because there hasn't been anything going on. But man, I don't know if I jinxed it when we were talking <laughs> about it in the past couple of weeks, but we've gone from nothing to a whole bunch. We're showing maps on TV, yeah. the three of us, you, me, and Eric, um, you know, trying to fit all the systems 
into one big map to show yeah. everybody. And, you know, each one has its different percentages, chances of developing. Each one is not necessarily in favorable um, areas for development. And we've seen that so far. But there is one in particular that we're looking at right now, recording this podcast on a Tuesday morning, uh, the day before this drops here. But that's uh, Tropical Storm Franklin, right? Yeah. Uh, so that caught my eye this morning that obviously there's been a lot more activity, like you mentioned. Um, not to uh, boost our not to boost <laughs> our uh, egos here, but uh, we did maybe uh, call our shot that it was going to see an We did, and, yeah, uh, yeah. We we knew it know, was coming. <laughs> yeah, people always say when meteorologists aren't right, but you rarely hear or you'll rarely hear when they are right. Uh, yeah, but it's anyways, okay a uh, little self plug for us there. But <laughs> uh, yeah, most definitely, uh, we did expect this. Um, just with all the variables, like you said, really coming together now, starting to uh, cook things up and like kind of what I was expecting myself, just once one goes, it was going to be a rapid, and it has been this Domino week. We've had almost. about, I think, what, what are we at this week? Six different storms almost. At least. Um, or areas to watch. Uh, Emily's died off, but might refire up, go, to, go towards England. But uh, Franklin, like you mentioned, that is the one this morning that caught my interest as it has started to turn westward. A lot of these storms, there's one in the Gulf right now that, um, Gerald, uh, Gerald, Gert. no, not Gerald. Oh, uh, it's going to bug me if I don't. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking of all these names. I know we're here <laughs> doing this podcast and usually <laughs> we could just like completely remember what's going yeah, on. Before we were looking at just like areas of invest. Herald, yeah, not we didn't Herald. have names. There it is, Harold. <laughs> all of a sudden there it is. Are. That's the one that Herald. Really packed. There we go. Okay. Uh, San Antonio <laughs> giving them so much need to rain there. It's not all bad there. And but see, Harold was nine. Tropical depression yes. nine yesterday. So see, it's like. Yeah. Well, jerd or whatever the other one. Or jerd, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, getting back to Franklin, <laughs> that's the one that we're uh, keeping an eye on now because, like you said, is start making that westward turn with a lot of these storms they've just been going out to sea. There's been a strong Bermuda high kind of keeping them away from us in the coast. Um, but later this week, when the, cold, or when the cold front moves through on Saturday, um, that might open the door for possibly this system to sneak up up behind that cold front now is kind of what – me and you were just chatting about a little bit ago um, because this track has completely shifted almost 90 degrees since I came in um, from out to sea, and now it kind of has going straight right past Maine. So it'll be interesting to watch this one uh, for sure over the next couple of days. In this time of the year, we get closer to the end of summer and to the beginning of fall. We have more and more cold fronts, more troughs coming in off of uh, the eastern United States. That essentially helps to protect us from these storms because they guide the storms, if the timing's right, back out to sea. Well, the idea is if these storms timing-wise just happen to slide under one of these troughs um, as high pressure settles in and uh, quieter weather you know, takes over the East Coast, that's where it becomes interesting. And if it can slide under these, you kind of wait for the trough to move by and then move in. And there's, there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. It's all just timing and luck. Mm. Uh, you know, I know that there's some relationship in the chaos of weather, but we just know at this point it's just timing and luck. Um, you get these storms coming in after a trough moves off the coast, then it's, then it's a problem because where does it go from there? And these storms do very well when there's not a lot of steering current, obviously, and not a lot of wind shear, and they become yeah. essentially monsters of their own, and they're their own cycles and uh, cyclical storms that you know, have their forward movement to the west when most of the weather is moving to the east. So interesting how um, you know, it, it's tough after a few days out even to be able to track the, the dimensions of the atmosphere on where these storms are going to be guided. So um, keeping an eye on that. But I mentioned you, you were talking about the cold fronts and the trough, and 
that's nice for us because after a summer of just heat wave after heat wave, it might be not necessarily as hot as last summer, but just the heat waves being so extended with the high humidity, we are finally getting a few days put together <laughs> in a row where the humidity yeah. and temperature are both below average for this time of the year. We haven't had that this summer. No, I, this has been a very nice relief today. And it's kind of funny just how, like, how the day's progressing even today on this Tuesday. Each hour gets a little bit better. This morning I walk in, it's humid, walked out for my break a little bit better, and then I stepped outside a little bit ago, um, and it felt even a lot better a lot then. Better. But, uh, yeah, no, th- these next couple days – Drop that humidity all the way down. Tonight, you're going to see some temperatures in the 50s in some spots. I think even the models might be underestimating uh, just how cool we might see, especially with that northerly breeze. But we do have uh, one little last shot of summer. Friday, Saturday, going to be back up into the 90s from the heat dome out west that I'm sure people have heard a lot about. But um, it does look like our dynamics are shifting now a little bit more into that fall because once this passes and that cold front moves through, we're back down into the 80s again next week with those temperatures uh, at night going back down in the 60s. So it's going to be a nice little uh, break, uh, just signifying maybe the shift slowly into that fall. But it's like you mentioned, it wasn't as hot this summer per se, but the extremes of the up and down are part of what people uh, try to convey when we talk about the changing climate. Just the extremes, you can have cold weather still in the summer, abnormally cooler but um, it's just the extreme variables of going from 100 to 70 in the summers. That's what uh, kind of we see a lot more. Just the very the variance is a lot higher um, with the, this yep. weather. That was well put there, and you know we'll continue to see that obviously, and and it changes uh, the dynamic of what to expect going forward. Um, it changes climate averages, uh, what we tend to see, um, and you know, going forward too, with the additional moisture from the south moving in with the warmer temperatures combined, making it that much more difficult, um, basically, to live in some of these areas. Um, you know, in our population, you know, having to adjust to that with the way our structures are built, HVAC systems, or the lack thereof, um, and so forth. So it'll be interesting in the summers to come how we um, you know, acclimate to this, this type of change here with our climate. But a lot to talk about uh, today, and you know, we're going to be back again next week, and I'm sure with a completely different setup with the Atlantic and uh, being able to update you between now and then. You can find us on our socials, myself, meteorologist Jake Grant, meteorologist Eric Alf, myself, meteorologist, uh, chief meteorologist Rich Wordzik, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know where to find us. You can go to WMDT.com. Check out our weathercast there. We uh, update a lot of the tropical uh, weather on our newscast and digitally online throughout the week. So uh, if you want to get an update to that, especially if you're local. But again, thanks for downloading and streaming another edition of WeatherWise from the meteorologist here at 47 ABC, WMBT.